Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, June 27th edition of the pod. Jake, June 27th, starting to feel like we are really deep into the year here, into the summer, and officially, might I add, into the offseason. Yeah, the offseason has officially begun. And I mean, it's weird because typically right now the draft would have been done. We'd be preparing for free agency on July 1. And yeah. it's weird that that is not happening this time, that the draft is instead, what, next week? I'm trying yep. to think about Ju- when July that is. July 7th. Yeah, July 7th. And this did not hit me until last week. Have you looked at the NHL's like calendar of dates? No. Do you know when free agency starts? Uh, I would guess mid-July at this point. Oh, boy. You are going to be in for an absolute treat. I'm trying to look up uh, exactly when it is so that I can give people correct information, but we will see if I can find that. Uh, let me see. Uh, here are here we are. Critical dates for 21-22 season. Uh, July 7th is going to be uh, the first round. July 8th, rounds 2 through 7. July 13th. July 13th? Is, is the when the signing period begins. So okay. that is the draft is next Thursday and Friday. Free agency is Wednesday of the week after. Oh my god. So it's going to yeah. be fun. It's going to be yeah. it's it's going to be a frenzy. It's going to be absolutely insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the purpose of today's show is that now that the Stanley Cup final is over, which we'll touch on just briefly before jumping in, but now that the Stanley Cup final is over i believe that it's there's this impending frenzy there's there's going to be a lot of action a lot of moves the draft trades signings all of that and so we figured okay let's launch into this offseason let's give everybody all the ducks fans who maybe have gone a little dormant here in the last few weeks give you something like a nice foundation a nice foundation of facts understanding kind of where things stand for the anaheim ducks before this offseason commences, because as we've talked about a lot in the previous recent episodes, this is kind of a pivotal offseason for the Ducks. They have a lot of cap space. They have a lot of flexibility. They have a lot of draft picks. And there's a new GM in charge, so we really don't know exactly what to expect. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and that's the goal today is to prepare everybody. Yeah, and, and so let, I think that's a really good starting point. And uh, here's the fun thing. You and I haven't really discussed a whole plan for this, but you know, this is how things flow very well with our shows. Um, the cap. I think the cap is the absolute starting point because something I put out on Twitter yesterday was that now that the season's over, and by the way, congratulations, Josh Manson. Congratulations, Andrew Cogliano. Yeah. Both well-deserved former Ducks getting a cup. Really emotional seeing Cogliano lift the cup yesterday. Um, but having said that, I had mentioned that this is going to be one of the most pivotal, one of the biggest off-seasons in Ducks history. And now, granted, it may not be the biggest. It's probably not going to match the the Niedermeyer-Solani off-season, maybe not match the Pronger off-season. But this is going to be a massive one because at the end of the day, the Ducks have to spend money. And as our own uh, CJ Woodling put in an article on the website, they have to spend a significant amount of money just to get underneath the cap floor. They are currently listed at 
uh, per cap friendly, negative $17.9 million. So $17.9 million underneath the cap floor. That's with the $14 million or 14 uh, players on the active roster. And so if they were to just uh, sign, so they have to sign nine players. So they at minimum have to spend, let's see, about $2 million per player. And some of those guys that they have to sign are RFAs that aren't going to necessarily make that much even. You have guys like, uh, I mean, one of them would be like Erho Vakaninen. He's probably not going to have a significant pay upgrade on his next contract. Sam Steele, definitely not going to have a big pay upgrade on his last contract. Lundestrom might, but, but you kind of see where I'm going with this, that the Ducks really have a lot of money to spend here. And so uh, this is going to be a big one because they need to put money out there. They are either going to need to take on money through trades, through bad contracts, through signings. There's a whole host of ways they can take on money. But this is important, and this is a big one. Yeah, I think that that's the thing to to keep in mind here is that just for the Ducks to meet the cap floor, they're going to have to do stuff. Like, like, like we're, we're, we're guaranteed to see action just by default just by the yeah. way that this is set up. They can't just have nine guys come up at minimum salary and be cap compliant is basically the way to look at it. Right. And so at a minimum, they're going to have to go out and just find e- either make trades, which I, I suspect that they will, or if they if none of that happens, if, if those bigger moves fall through, they're just going to have to pick guys up off the scrap heap. They're just going to have to go into free agency and bring in bodies. Well, or, you know, this is the other option, weaponize that cap space. There are plenty right. of teams out there that want to get rid of bad deals. And especially when you have, what was it, over half the league operating within a million dollars or so of the cap this past year. Mm-hmm. I think it was something along those lines. And there are teams that need to get out of bad contracts. And Yeah. Like, well, the Canadians the and the it. Golden Knights. <laughs> Evgeny Dodonov or Shea Weber, which yeah. still kind of boggles the mind. But that is kind of the flavor of the day. There's a lot of cap constraints going on. There's a lot of people, a lot of teams still wrangling with this issue. And the the Ducks are one of those teams. There's always a few that have the luxury of the cap space and can do really whatever they want with it. And like you said, some of the trades that they may make to the average fan might not really make sense, but you really have to keep in mind this cap reality because it's going to guide, it could potentially guide a lot of what the Ducks do this offseason. Yeah. And the other thing here is that if the Ducks do end up trading a guy like a John Gibson, like let's just say they trade away a guy that's making a decent amount of money, whether it's a John Gibson, whether it's an Adam and Ray, who knows who else they could be moving. But you have to remember that then they have to even take on more money because that is clearing out even more space. And so this is this is a big offseason for this team. Right, right, exactly. And so I guess to start things off, I, I don't really know. We don't really have an exact plan for this episode so we're gonna kind of fly by the seat of our pants but i think that that's we we tend to pull that off i'm 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 calling our shot here and saying that we're gonna pull it off i think the first order of business was a good one to address the cap situation but i think really where this all starts for the ducks and where it's going to start for a lot of teams is at the draft is on draft night and figuring out first and foremost i think this is probably the biggest question that I have going into this draft is just going to be, are the ducks going to even make their pick at the draft this uh, next Thursday, July 7th, which feels so just crazy how that's next week all of a sudden, but the ducks have the 10th overall pick 
And in this draft class, I think a lot of people seem to agree that there's kind of this tier of six players at the top. There's some interchangeability in there. Someone may sneak in, someone may drop out, but there is this kind of established tier. And then there's a next tier after that. And for the Ducks, a team that's trying to take the next step and trying to enter a phase where they're no longer really in the rebuild stage, but more in the phase where they're trying to push to the playoffs, does making this pick even make sense? So I guess first and foremost for you, Jake, I'm going to ask you this kind of two-pronged question. Would you make the pick? Would you make that trade? Of course, you can't really know what other deals are out there. Is this something that you would do? And do you think that they will ultimately make this make this pick? Sorry, I said, well, so would you make this pick? And do you think they will make this pick? I think the answer to both of those is yes. I think okay. the I think the real kind of point to be made though is if there is a deal that comes up that is that makes sense, I think that the I would do it and I think that the Ducks would. I think Pat Verbeek has shown he has he is not afraid to make the deal to help this team out and help their future. And if that ends up being trading this pick, then that then so be it. That's what's gonna have to be done. And so I think that's the important part. Having said that, I'm not sure if there's necessarily going to be a deal um, where it comes up and it makes sense for them. And, and so that is uh, that's the real question here. And so the other the other question when it comes to this draft pick for me personally, after doing a little bit of finally, I think with the Cup final over, with uh, me being a little more settled from my move, as you may be able to see with now some artwork behind me. Yeah, um, look at you. It's not just I boxes know. anymore. I know. It's not just <laughs> random boxes. Um, I, I dove a little bit into some draft prep this this week or today, honestly. And one of the big questions I kind of have is we don't know what Pat Verbeek is going to value. And while we have a good idea on what Martin Madden values, we don't know because Pat Verbeek, he was a, a scout by trade. That was where he really cut his teeth. And so is he going to essentially just take what Martin Madden thinks and go off of that? Or is he going to apply his own beliefs and his own views on scouting and utilize that? And kind of where I'm coming at this from is this draft is a very interesting one where kind of after the top five, right? I, I feel like there's a decent amount of uh, a decent amount of people have the same opinion on who's probably going that top five, six players, right? It's a, some of those players may drop off. Who knows? But it's kind of wide open afterwards. And it really is going to depend on what Pat Verbeek values. If he really wants to take a defenseman, if he's more looking for best player available, if he's really focusing on a forward, how does he feel about taking an undersized forward if he falls him like a Frank Nazar or a Matthew Savoy? And so there's a lot of questions, I think. And I, I think almost from a selfish perspective, I want to see them make this pick in the sense of I want to be able to understand what Paverbeek thinks in terms of the draft. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because we don't we haven't seen a Verbeek draft. We don't have any precedent for that because there hasn't been one. I do still think that Martin Madden is he's been driving the bus for 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 years now and and he's driven it successfully. But I do think that especially with these higher-end picks, there is a Bob Murray influence. There was a Bob Murray influence. Uh, I do think that the Mason McTavish pick last year was in part due to Bob Murray's influence and kind of the recency bias of seeing him in international competition late in the year. I think that Mason McTavish is a fantastic draft pick. I was high on him at the time, and he's looking fantastic in this postseason run. Am I eating crow already? I probably am. You are eating crow a little bit, but that's okay. 
the point though is that yes, that I am curious to see just how this may all change. I don't think it will that much though. And so to the question of will they trade it, do I think that that will happen? I guess my biggest question is I just don't see the trade that would require them to move that 10th overall pick. Because if you think about some of the bigger trade targets that are out there, you think of like a Kevin Fiala, Alex Brinkett, right? These bigger names, maybe for like a Debrinkett, it would require that 10th overall pick, but these are pre- that's a premium, premium asset. And, you know, for example, like with the Fiala situation, those are kind of distressed situations. And I just don't know if it's going to take something like that to get a guy out of there. Maybe if you do move on from the 10th overall pick to get a player of that ilk, that lowers what else you're giving away. But I just don't really see them. I don't see where they would have to do that. Because I think in a trade, for for example, if you're sending out John Gibson, you're not sending out the, your, your first overall, your, sorry, your, your first first round pick with him. Yeah, I would agree with that. So that's why I just don't really see them doing that. And I, and I do think that despite the fact that I think the Ducks want to be better next year. I think that they want to make the playoffs or push for the playoffs next year. I still think that there's a sense of, well, they're still, they are still in a build. They're still building towards what they're going to be. And this 10th overall pick, whether it's a player that eventually does play for them or it's a player that they then use to go out and get a more established name later down the line, this is still a really important piece of what they're trying to accomplish. So I don't really see them trading it. And for me personally, sure, maybe you dangle it. Maybe you try and see what's out there, what you could include it in. But ultimately, I think it makes the most sense to actually use the pick and just go out and get the player that you want. Yep, I completely agree with that. And so um, I think it's going to be fascinating. I I think just, I think kind of circling back to to talking about the offseason on the whole, though, I think this next week is going to be one of the most... I said it in, I think I either said it in discord. I think it was in discord today that I think that this might be the wildest week of the off season overall. The fact that you have essentially the cup final ended and the draft is essentially a week away. And then from that draft free agency is a week away. And so maybe it's only it's two weeks as compared to one week, but this is going to be an absolute crazy period. I think this Friday is when qualifying offers are due or no, it's a buyout buyout window begins on Friday. Um, and, and so it's just, it, it's going to be really, really fun to see. I think there's going to be a lot of action. I think the ducks are going to start moving here. And I think that we'll start to hear rumblings about what's going to happen with John Gibson, because I think anywhere that you look, any place that you see any sort of rumor, John Gibson is kind of around it right now, whether it's from an insider, whether it's from someone just on the athletic writing about some of the major storylines. I saw someone, I think it was a Winnipeg writer, was just breaking down questions of the offseason. John Gibson was just on that. And not even necessarily about him going to Winnipeg. It was just essentially what happens with John Gibson. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that question is still looming large. It's still lingering. We still don't really, ha- I mean, we haven't really had any big updates since the last time we recorded regarding that situation i mean it's i think kinda... the, the, i think the only update is is that it really does seem like he he did not request a trade he did not say that he's open to be trading that that conversation never necessarily happened with the ducks well that's what he and his agent have said yes correct but that is kind of <laughs> that that's where essentially we're, everyone we're assuming that 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 they are telling the truth which i would say is a pretty pretty hefty assumption but it doesn't matter i mean it it honestly doesn't matter what they say 
even if they were to come out and say like, oh yeah, like we want to be traded, that would be newsworthy. But anything short of that, it's just all kind of hot air to me. Yeah. I think that they just don't want this to blow up. They don't want this to be a distraction one way or another. And they want it to just kind of circulate behind closed doors, which I think is totally fine. Totally understandable. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, and also just getting back to the point of what John Gibson says doesn't really matter in this situation. It's about what right. the Ducks think. Well, that's the whole thing is that we can we can debate this and talk about this till the cows come home about what he said, how he said it. Does it matter? But ultimately, the Ducks hold the hammer. If they want him gone, they can do so. Now, it's not quite that simple because John Gibson still has a very hefty deal attached to him. A team has to want to take that on. There's a lot that that is going to go into that trade. But ultimately, if the Ducks decide that they want to do it and that they can find a partner, John Gibson doesn't have a veto button. And that's that's kind of all that there is to it, really. Yep. One thing that that's a good point on the John Gibson thing that's worth bringing up. Pre uh, Pismic says uh, the the thing with Gibson is he seems tough to move because essentially, as we've mentioned, a lot of contenders already have cap concerns and Gibson's contract is significant. And I think that this is where the Ducks are in a very unique situation with their cap situation. They can take on a bad money deal from one of those contenders that frees up space, and, and mm. that's something they can do to really help out the team that would be acquiring him. One other thing I want to mention is I'm trying to look for the uh, exact article that it was, but it wasn't a Winnipeg writer necessarily saying that he should go to Winnipeg. It was just breaking down uh, things from around the league on the most part and, and storylines from around the league. Sorry, okay. it, was a Canu- it was a Canucks writer, not a, a Jets writer. But still, <laughs> sa- same concept. It was a national story for The Athletic, not a local story. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that the John Gibson thing, there's been, I, I think there's been as much as we're going to hear on it, to be honest. It kind of blew up a little bit, and I think now there's been this push to kind of tighten the lid a little bit back on the story. And I guess just going into the off season for you, do you expect John Gibson to be back with the Ducks next season? I think going into the off season, I was 50-50. Okay. I... I think at this point in time, after everything we've well, heard, the offseason now- started today. So okay, going into going into today? the ducks off. No, the ducks offseason. The right. ducks offseason began when they the playoffs began months ago. Yeah, <laughs> um, but as of today, I'd put that at like seventy five percent that he's traded. Yeah, yeah. I I just think that if you look at the, what has transpired, and I don't completely care what they've said. I think that there's something going on there. We've known this for a long time that there has been a push and a pull between him and the front office about many different things. I think that it's just headed towards a trade. And especially if you look at how Pat Verbeek has tried to formulate his roster, formulate his cap sheet in particular, one of the big reasons that a Josh Manson, Lindholm, that all these guys left is because he didn't want these big term contracts on his books. And I think that John Gibson... That's what he is. I mean, in part, that's what he is to this team is that he's, let's call him a starting level goalie in the NHL, but he's also a guy who eats up $6.4 million a year and has five years left on his deal. And he's not a Cam Fowler who you basically can't trade. That is a big piece that you can move, free up all of those years, all of that cap space, and get back potentially some really serious return on him. I still yeah. think that despite the fact that John Gibson has not been John Gibson hasn't been good for the last three years. Let's just let's use the word good. He hasn't been good for the last three years. He's been good for stretches, 
but on the balance, he hasn't been good. Uh, I still think there's teams who think that it's it's not him, it's the system, that he's still got it, that the whole Team USA shine. And, of course, he had some really good seasons prior to this slump. So I still think, and I've come around, I think that there's a team, it just takes one, that's going to be willing to pay something of significance to get him. Yeah, and, I mean, let's just very quickly, uh, Priya Pismic asked, uh, would be interesting to look at kind of what teams could uh, potentially fit. He had mentioned Edmonton. Doesn't think Toronto would be a fit. Edmonton, I think, could be a very good fit. Well, the thing with Edmonton is that they have their own players that could be on the move, and I think that this this past postseason showed pretty definitively that they need an upgrade in net. They need yep. a they need a very significant update in net. And so you hear the names that could be on the move out of there, like a Yessi Pugliarvi, Kyler Yamamoto. They have some decisions to make, and so it feels almost like a natural swap. Now, the question becomes to me, is Pat Verbeek one of those GMs who doesn't, who's like a Bob Murray, who doesn't want to trade in division? Uh, that's going to be the big question here. Um, I, I think that kind of looking at the other teams, the Leafs, I think the Leafs could be a fit, but they would have to move out a big money deal. It would have to be like a Nylander swap or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think if it is, I think Minnesota could be an interesting fit because I think that that could work with the Fiala deal. The only kind of issue that I have there is that they need to clear out money because of the buyout. So maybe that makes them not necessarily a fit because of the buyouts of Parise and Suter that, that they're having to deal with. Um, right. and, and so there's a whole lot of teams here that I think yeah, are... New just, Jersey has been brought up a lot with John Gibson. Yeah. Yep. I mean... Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of teams that could be interesting fits around the league. I'm just kind of going down the list. I mean, there's obviously going to be the connection made to Pittsburgh. The question that I have with the Penguins is, who are they willing to move out for John Gibson? And what, or the better question is, sorry, what do they have to move right. out for John Gibson? Right, exactly. Now, the, I mean, the, there are there's going to be interest because there's a lot of teams, I think, that need an upgrade in net. But it's not a super long list either. And I think that you you brought up the main ones. The one that I'm really circling for me is is Edmonton, just because I think that they're going to be desperate. Yes. I think I, I think that that's something you really have to take into account because we can look at it very very coldly, look at the you know the cap space and the logic of it all. But these aren't well, always logical decisions that these teams make, and I think that in Edmonton, they saw this off season or this postseason what just how far they can get with basically not reliable goaltending. And, and, then, so, and so now they want to flip that and go and, out and get the goalie. And I'm just going to say exactly what you were saying without saying. You also want the Ducks to make the deal with Edmonton because Ken Holland is the most <laughs> likely to overpay based upon an old reputation as compared to a more analytics-friendly uh, team. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, that's part <laughs> of it. Like, I, I knew where you were going with that and just didn't want to say it, but it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, but I, I do think that their their desperation isn't crazy unwarranted either. Like they do need, they need to make that team much better than it is right now because they have, at worst, the second best player in the world on their team. Yeah, they they need to do something about that. Yeah. Um. So uh, I will be very curious to see what the Ducks do. Um. I'm sure that there's going to be a contingent of Ducks fans that would say, well. I don't want to have to see John Gibson X amount of times a year, every year for the next five years. Well, that's just how it goes. You got to, you got to find a way to move a guy and get the right return. And if that happens to be in division, 
So be it. And by the way, the way that John Gibson has played the last few years might not be the worst thing in the world. So, yep. Do you, uh, do you, I'm I'm actually just curious. This is like a total side note. But yeah. do you, do you think that if John Gibson goes to a team, let's say like an Edmonton, that he, you know, kind of reverts back and to any degree to what he was? Edmonton, pro- no. Because that blue line is that blue line is arguably and worse the, than the Ducks. Are, yeah, arguably doing a lot of the heavy lifting here, but arguably worse than the Ducks. Yeah, and uh, Edmonton, no. Minnesota, yes. Yeah. Um, if somehow Boston made a play for him, yes. Yeah. Jake, are you being... Is there a cat situation going there on? There is a cat situation. In- she can't figure out how to get out when one of the two doors to this room is open. Okay. And, and she is just sitting there meowing. Do, do you need to get up? No, it's fine. She's okay. walking around. She's fine. Okay, got it. Yeah, so anyway, that, that John Gibson narrative is going to unfold. Um, and yeah, and so to me, the draft is kind of like the step one of, of seeing what Pat Verbeek is thinking. I expect them to make the pick, though. I think that's what will happen. Yep, and one interesting thing that I'll be curi- or I'll be watching is, does Brad Lambert fall enough where the Ducks could take him at 22? Ooh, yeah. For a second, I think you were going to say a 10. I was just like record scratching in my head. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's because to me that that tier from, you know, basically eight, seven onward, let's call it eight onward. It's it's let's maybe extend it to 10, like 10 down to the 20s is just pretty wide open. There's a lot of names, but you don't know exactly which team is going to take that name. It seems like there's a lot of need based picking that's going to happen in the latest mock draft from Corey Promen, which he did with an NHL source. And by the way, kind of how I've come to view these, these mock drafts with Corey Promen is not so much how I rate the players. It's not so much how I think of them, but it's just nice to get a pulse for how teams are viewing these players. Cause that's ultimately what these are. He's even said this, like this is a reflection of what he's hearing from, from within the industry, from within teams. So he has, Brad Lambert going to Buffalo at 16, which isn't too far off from the 22nd overall pick. So I guess to answer your question, maybe, but probably yeah. not. Yep. Probably. Uh, yeah, that that would make the most sense. I mean, it really just depends on how teams view them. And that's the interesting part with this draft is it doesn't feel like there's a consensus. No, no, there's, there's really not. I mean, hell, there's not even a consensus for the first overall pick, I would say. I think that there's the, the whole... Uri Slavskovsky narrative at number one is just, it's crazy to me that there's like a lot of people who legitimately think he should go first overall. And it's, it's the kind of thing you just haven't really seen uh, this kind of divide. At least I haven't on a guy like Shane Wright, who I know hasn't been as exciting this year, but the track record that he has, the fact that this is even a question is pretty shocking to me, but I do think that that, that top group though is pretty set in stone. Yep. So, it's just the after part that's really all over the place. Yep, agreed. Um, anything or what else do you want to chat about about this offseason? Potential targets? We've kind of gone over that a bunch. Well, so I think now that the draft has kind of been baked in here, I think that they're making the pick. I think maybe you see like the 22nd overall pick getting moved. Maybe that's more in play than than uh, moving the 10th overall. But after that, I mean really it's free agency. And my whole problem with trying to predict free agency i do think i mean pat verbeek even said 
that they're going to try to get guys in free agency, that he said they're going to make their pitches to players, right, that they're going to try to get players to come to Anaheim. I just don't exactly know what tier of player that he's talking about because I don't think it's guys like an Evgeny Malkin, right, these, you know, Chris Letang, these bigger names. I don't think, you know, Johnny Gaudreau. I don't think that Philip Forsberg, I don't think that that's what's happening. And if it is, that's a very worrying sign because I don't think that those are the types of players that the Ducks should be targeting. To me, if the Ducks are going to make plays in the offseason in the free agent pool, you're looking more at that mid-tier of free agents, guys that you don't have to sign to big term because that actually would line up with what Pat Verbeek has said. Guys you don't have to sign to big term that aren't going to take up a huge chunk of the cap but that are also going to help you get the most out of your young players next season. I think that that's really the goal. And I mean, one name that I've been circling back to uh, as the rumor mill has kind of heated up a bit, Josh Manson. I mean, there's been rumors now that, hey, maybe he's going back to Anaheim. And it's funny because I think a lot of people are probably thinking, well, what the heck? You were you were so adamant about trading Josh Manson. And yes, that is correct. I, I didn't think that re-signing him to an, you know, signing him to an extension when you're the only one, you know, you're basically negotiating against yourself, not really even knowing whether he was going to come back. It just didn't make a ton of sense when you can get some assets for him. Now you got the assets. And I mean, if you look at his projected contract on evolving hockey, it's four years by 4 million. He could potentially be willing to take a hometown discount. Don't really know what that would look like. Maybe it's a year, Maybe it's some maybe it's some cap hit that's shaved off, but he's a guy who played well for the Avs and down the stretch. He was very good for the Ducks this last season. If you think that he can hold that level of performance to any degree for the next two three years, he's just a good kind of roster filler guy who can just help the younger players come along and still provide you some quality minutes. Yeah, I mean we talked about it. The Ducks need to spend money. And while granted, you don't want to like wastefully spend that money and go close to the cap where you then have to and you have to sign Zegris next summer. You have to sign Terry next summer. Like we've talked about that at in depth about the Ducks. It's nice having all this cap space now, but you don't necessarily get that in the future. So you don't want to necessarily eat up too much of it when you're going to have to then sign guys to new contracts. Yeah. Um, but I think Josh Manson's an interesting player to look at because I, I think that. I know that uh, you made the case last week. Was that on this show or on the Patreon episode? I can't remember at of, this point in time. Of, where is this going? That, uh, why does everyone think that Josh Manson's going to come back? They wants to come back. Oh. Can't he think for himself? It was, okay. It was just, on this show. I want to be very clear. I was saying that because literally the only reason people ever bring up is that his wife is from here. And that that's the only reason, like, that's the only piece of evidence well, that that's people the, use. That's the logic of why he would want to come back is that his wife likes it here. And that I can uh, confirm as a married man, sometimes uh, you give in on certain things because a happy wife means a happy, happy life. Well, I think the question for him is just more like, by the way, congratulations. Well, Josh Manson is a Stanley Cup champion, which we, I think we mentioned once, but like. Need to reiterate that. He just won a Stanley Cup last night. And I guess the question for him now is just, does he want to keep chasing that maybe with the Avalanche or another team? Or does he want to 
just kind of settle back into Anaheim and be part of this next phase of the rebuild now that he's got that Stanley Cup in his bag. Yeah, and I think that you value. Value the extra cash. Do you value living in a place that you enjoy or you and your wife that you're you're yeah. happy raising your child I mean, this in? Is, this is his one big, like, this is his life-changing contract, well, so to is speak. It, I don't think it is, though. Like, he's going to be making exactly the same money that he was making on his last deal, right? Like, he is he's an older guy at this point. Josh Manson, I believe, is what? He's 30, right? Or is he 31? Yeah, he's 30. He's 30. Like, a lot of times, guys on their 30, or at 30 years old don't get their big money deal. It's usually the 27, 28-year-olds. That's so fair. Josh, Josh Manson, he's going to probably get exactly what he had on his last deal. I think, so the, that, I think that the, the way I should rephrase that, it's it's his last it's his last significant contract. Like yes, after that, this, that's fair. it's it's probably downhill. Like hopefully not for him, but probably downhill after but, this one. Like his kid, his kid was born, I think, in the pandemic, right? So they're probably starting to get ready to to maybe start going to school in the, over the next year or two. So he probably is thinking about what, where do I want them to like spend their their first couple of years? And so these are all things that factor into the equation for these these guys. And if him and his wife were happy in Anaheim, you could very easily see him taking a hometown discount to stay or come back, not stay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at it from his perspective, though, that this is like the highest value he's had, I think, as a player, right? He just sure. he just won a Stanley Cup. He showed that he can play at a very high level in high leverage situations. And, I, you know, the the... Contract projections are usually very accurate, but I'm just curious if there's a little added shine on him right now than there wouldn't have been otherwise. And I think that like that's a real consideration is getting as much money as you can. Um, so I could see it both ways. I don't think that he he doesn't have like a bad outcome here. Like whatever no, he decides to do, but, it's gonna it's gonna work out for. But him. I, I think that's the driving factor here, right? Is that it, this is a place that from all appearances, from everything that we've heard, he was very happy living here and this is where he enjoyed it. So if there is indeed, which is something that we heard over, I think it was from Pierre Lebrun, that the Ducks have interest in bringing him back. So if the Ducks have interest in bringing him back and Josh Manson also wants to come back, that yeah. could be a nice little tidy piece of business. Yeah, it, it's absolutely a tidy piece of business because that's exactly the kind of trade that the the kind of sequence of moves that the Ducks have been so afraid to make the last year is just, hey, you trade a guy, you take the risk, he never comes back, but you get the assets and hey, now now that everything kind of worked out, there's a chance he does in fact come back and you, you get to have your cake and eat it too. But I really, I really want to just make it clear though, because I think a lot of people have kind of pushed back when I've said, Hey, like, this is a good idea. Oh, it's, you know, you're, you're just, you're stuck in the past. Like, you know, we got to move on here. It's no longer time to, to have guys like Josh Manson. Josh Manson was good for the ducks last year. Like, it, it's not as if this is like a retread or a guy who's like on his last legs in the NHL. He wasn't quite as good that, you know, with the abs down in the playoffs, but I think that that's a totally different circumstance he was good for the Ducks this year. If you look at, like, for example, the tracking data, he was really good defensively, really good at denying zone entries at the blue line. Um, he was also actually really good at carrying the puck up ice, which hasn't always been this huge facet of his game. So I think that there's actually, like, a very sound case to make that that's just, like, a good move for the Ducks to make. And you factor in that, hey, maybe, yes, you do get the discount. It almost makes too much sense not to do it. Yep, completely. So, 
Are we are we now driving this bus, Manson, back to Anaheim? I mean, we've been on this bus for a long time. Well, I've been a little wishy-washy on it, but I think the more I've dug you, into wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. You wishy-washy? No, you don't say. Uh, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, well, Felix, you know uh, what? Because Josh uh, Manson definitely is uh, is someone that probably enjoys the beach, enjoys coming to here. So, you know, summer is coming, and the sun is shining, and shirts are off, and your balls are smooth. You heard that right. Your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure your beach balls are as smooth as Floridian sand. I, Floridian sand, I guess, is very smooth. Did not know that. In summer, you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues? Not kill the vibe with the pubes peeking out of your swim trunks? That's why Manscaped has their performance package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. Dive head first into summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP. So Felix, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare that summer bod Inside the package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance boxer briefs, and their bag to hold all of their goodies. And I mean, Felix, you want to you want to give us a little story about the Weed Whacker? Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm reaching that age, you know, 29 29 years young where Starting to notice some some growth in areas, some hair growth where it wasn't before, and the weed whackers actually come in handy. You know, we're talking nostrils, uh, ear. What do they call it? An ear hole. I don't. I don't know what the word is, but yeah, it comes in handy if you want to kind of stay trimmed up and not have weird hair growth. The Yoda ears. So I recommend it. Yep, and you know what? On top of their Weed Whacker, their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And did I mention that this trimmer is waterproof too? The, from the shower to the lake, from your tress, chest scruff, all the way down to your ball fro. The Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer around. And once your downstairs weeds are taken care of, look after the rest with Manscaped's liquid formulations. Before heading outside, you can use the Crop Preserver Ball deodorant to stay cool in the heat with a soothing aloe vera formula. It's the best in the business for below the waist freshness. And the clear drying formula will keep you in tip top shape, shape, even at the hottest barbecue. And they even threw in two free gifts into the bag. Uh, or gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and their Shed Travel Bag that will bring your comfort to another level. You want to take your grooming game even further? Take a look at Manscaped Shears 2.0, a package that has everything you need to look pristine. Nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. Performance Package, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with the Shears 2.0, and you'll be ready to perform from head to toe. So you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. This is the summer to turn your package into the full package with Manscaped. There you go. Uh, Yeah, well, so moving on here, I do want to quickly correct something I was saying earlier. So John Gibson has a 10-team no-trade list. So it's not a perfect 
yes, they can do whatever they want in terms of his trade, but the field is a lot more open than, let's say, like right when I was bringing up Camp Fowler, who's almost close to untradeable. So, all that being said, I think that we pretty much covered the offseason here. I mean, went through the draft, went through free agency. Yeah, and, and just to couple targets real quick i i think trade targets are one thing we didn't talk about well, well that that to me so that to me is what i think this offseason comes down to because i don't mm-hmm. think that the draft i don't think that free agency is where things are really going to happen i think if the ducks are going to significantly improve their team where they're going to make their biggest improvement where they're going to make their biggest move is going to be on the trade market because that's just where the best assets are to me right now yeah, I, I completely agree. And so I think the the guys that are clearly on the trading block that are I think the Ducks should be interested in are the Kevin Fialas of the world, the Alex DeBrincats of the world. The We kind of have gone through it in depth over the last couple episodes. But yeah. those are the guys that the Ducks really should be looking at here. Right. Right, exactly. Because these are guys who are within – they are in their primes. They're in their early primes. And they are guys who can both help you right now – and can help you later down the line. And that's that's really the ideal scenario because that's the problem with free agency. That's always the drawback is that if you go out and you sign someone to a contract, you're usually not getting their best years. And so the Kevin to me Kevin Fiala is really the guy that I think makes the most sense only because I think that Minnesota is in such a tough spot with him whereas I feel like with Chicago they have more leverage. They they have more time to figure things out. I think he has one year left. He has one more season on his deal. So they don't necessarily have to do this song and dance right now. Whereas Minnesota, Kevin Fiala is going to be an RFA this off season. They have to figure this out right now. There is urgency and maybe, maybe even desperation to, to move on from him. Well, and you also have the situation of uh, the fact that the Minnesota wild are going to be in cap hell next year. Yes. So they need to clear out money. To, to be able to be cap compliant. Right, exactly. And so that's really, I think, the guy that makes so much sense for the Ducks. There's, you know, lesser targets that we talked about, like a Yessi Poliarvi, Kyler Yamamoto's name has also been brought up. I think that those younger, I mean, 24 and 23 forwards in Edmonton, if you can maybe get them back in, let's say, a John Gibson deal, that also makes sense because they fit your window. Um, and I understand that Kevin Fiala is going to be 26 soon, but he's still he's still got a few good years left, and he's just so so elite offensively. I do buy what he did last season because the underlying numbers are so strong. He's going to help you for years to come. Alex DeBrinket, it's going to be harder to get him out of Chicago. I still think that the Ducks should make their pitch. They should try to go and get Alex DeBrinket, and I think that it's kind of the same thing with Kevin Fiala. They're also going to have to figure out what the future is going to be for those guys in terms of contract with yep. the Ducks. You have to you have to understand whether or not this guy is going to want to stay around because you don't want to send out a huge package, uh, a total package, and he doesn't stick around afterwards. You just don't do that if you don't have that confidence. So to me, Fiala is my number one. Dubrincic is not a one B. He's definitely a number two. And then after that, it's a bit of a grab bag. I think Jacob uh, Jacob Chikrin, he's someone where. He's 24. I don't think he's going to be worth what he's going to, what the, the Arizona is going to get for him. But if you can get him at the right price, yes, he's going to help the Ducks. J- Jesse Pogliarvi is another guy I think that would be a yeah. very interesting guy to target. Underlying metrics are 
outstanding. Um, and, and so I think that's someone that could be maybe had a cheaper price and really could, uh, flourish in a role in Anaheim. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's, there's other names that are out there on the trade market, but a lot of them are older guys. They're guys that don't really fit the ducks window right now. I mean, we've talked a little bit about, and I think we did on the last pod of, you know, the, the blue line situation in Pittsburgh, guy like John Marino, we even talked about Marcus Patterson. Yeah. I mean, right, that, if that they, can make sense will, as well. Yeah, if they're willing to give up Pedersen, if that's their their priority, then take one of the two. Doesn't matter. Figure right. out a deal for one of the two, and that's really helpful. Right, exactly. So I think that you have a lot of leeway here if you're Pat Verbeek to, to go out and make the right move. And I don't really think that any of these... If you get any of the guys we just listed, unless you grossly overpay, you're making your team better both short and long term. And that's really the goal of this offseason is to set yourself up, not just for kind of a Hail Mary push to the playoffs next season, but for the next three to four seasons. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, it's yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fascinating. I, Ethan Bear is another guy that, that has come up. You know, we don't exactly – his health status is a little bit all over the place. He had a really bad bout with COVID, but that's another name that has come up. So it's going to be exciting. I mean, I think that the, the the way that the Ducks roster looks right now, I I have strong doubts that it's going to look like that in in a couple of months. Hell, in a couple of weeks. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. All right. Want to start getting any questions? We got a bunch, actually, to go through because we've had two weeks off. Yeah, well, actually, before we do that, okay. I just wanted to quickly get your thoughts because the Stanley Cup final just ended. and. True. You know, like, I know that you don't think the playoffs matter. I know you think the Stanley Cup is the asterisk cup, but... Wait, 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 You're telling me that when you've been the one hammering home the fact that the Lightning are asterisk <laughs> cup champions, that the Lakers are deserve an asterisk next to their uh, NBA title. You are the king of that take, and you are throwing that on me? Wow. Uh, anyway, not sure where any of that came from. Uh, but Hey, the Stanley cup, the playoffs, like that's kind of why everything that we're talking about, like that's, it's to get to that point. Ideally it's to be the Colorado avalanche who did everything right and get that big reward to get to like, that's why we, that's why everyone does this at the end of the day. Yeah. It's for the Stanley cup. So what are your, some just takeaways from whether it is the final, the Colorado's run or the playoffs as a whole? I think it was a really entertaining playoffs on the whole. And I think one of the big reasons for that is offense reigns supreme. Yeah, Goals. I mean that that's the biggest takeaway is that the Colorado Avalanche won. It took them twenty games. They lost four games in total, right? All, all playoffs. Yeah, and they did it by outscoring their opponent. They did not do this necessarily by having fantastic goaltending. One can even argue they had not even great goaltending, not even no. good goaltending from Darcy Kemper. No, and they were able to outscore their problems and play solid defense and. I think this is a very good thing for the duck or the league on the whole, not just the ducks, because at the end of the day, the NHL is a copycat league. You look back to yeah. when the the Kings won the cups all those times. Everyone was like, Yeah, looks they were constantly chasing the Kings, saying they have to get heavier, have to get heavier, all that different type of stuff. Hell, the third team, which was a lot of fun for the had pro, had all these guys that aren't necessarily these big bad type players. That entire team got reworked, and that's the whole reason Clayton Stoner was as a result of that damn uh, series in the LA Kings. And so that's the only thing for me is that 
thing from this playoff is that for a copycat league, this means that we're going to get more teams trying to outscore other teams. That's a very good sign. Well, I think it the biggest thing to me that it showed is that you need everyone on your team has to be able to play. I know that the Avs had Jack Johnson and Eric Johnson at times, you know, is not the fleetest of foot, but everyone has to be able to make a play. Everyone has to be able to skate. And I mean, to be honest, when you watch the Avs against the Lightning, the, the I mean, we talked about this before the final, but the the Lightning's blue line is not the fleetest of foot. It's, you know, some big bodies back there, effective puck movers, but not a lot of speed, not a lot of ability to join the rush outside of like a Victor Hedman. And I think that that's another thing that's going to change. And hell, for a guy like Jamie Drysdale or an Olin Zellweger down the line, like that's a really nice development. I mean, yeah. seeing seeing Kale McCarr, to me, Kale, I mean, Kale McCarr won the con Smythe, so it's not a hot take, but Kale McCarr was... The, he was the engine of that Avs team because he changes things so dramatically for the other team in terms of how they have to prepare. And even a guy like Devon Taves, the way that he jumps up into the rush, the way that he can play that two-way style, I just think that that's going to have such such an interesting ripple effect around the league. Um, yep. And I just want to say this. The Lightning were borderline unbearable the last couple of games. Uh, you know, yeah. having a deal. You hated them. I just can't, I couldn't stand any of that. Like, I'm sorry, but the whole like John Cooper, like, you know, after what was it, game five or game four, which whichever one it was, where they lose in overtime and he goes in the hole, my heart breaks yeah, for the players. That was game four. The too many men. And then, especially in game six, just some of the antics and the complaining after every single goal. I think the Lightning just knew. Like, I think that deep down they had they, they started to realize, oh crap, like this is going the wrong way, and they were just grasping for straws. And then, you know, like that's the competitor in them. That's that's what happens when you're a proud team. That's that's won two years in a row. But it was just, yeah, you know, good for them. Like they turned themselves into villains. And at the end of the day, this is this is entertainment. We want good guys. We want bad guys. We want storylines. And and they gave us that. So. All in all, it was still a wildly entertaining final. The playoffs were awesome. And it would be fun next year to to watch the playoffs with a team that we're actually going to be able to talk about as opposed to just watching it like as neutral bystanders. Yep, definitely. Apologies for the hammering sound that's going on. We yeah. are still moving in. Yeah, it's called politicking is what I'm being told. Sure. Sure. It's it's yeah. called sore loser is what it seems like to me. I mean, here's the thing. I would take John Cooper as the Ducks coach in a heartbeat, though. I would take that. If I was a player on that team, I would be re- very happy with my coach doing that for me. Yeah, well, I get what he was doing. I mean, the all of his comments were about how the league is so hard. You know, the, the, the league wants parity, cap space, we're hurt. Like, he was really setting up a nice table for people to just kind of be like, okay, with the lightning losing. I mean, the biggest reason to me that the lightning lost outside of the fact that Colorado was so much better is that, I mean, they were missing Braden point. And when they did have him, he was like 25% of his usual self. Yeah. That was a pretty big factor. Yep. Maybe, maybe an asterisk you might even say for, uh, for Colorado, by the way, just want to give a quick shout out to Corey Perry. Yes. He, he now holds the distinction of losing, three Stanley Cup finals in a row. I think he's the first yeah. player to do that. But he's got, he's got nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, it's no. a team sport. 
and unless you're the goalie who loses every year, I feel like you can't really feel that responsible. He played well. I, I am very curious where he goes next. Maybe he comes back to the Ducks on a little kind of sweetheart end of career deal, or maybe he continues to ring chase, but I don't think he's got anything to, to really be ashamed about. Yep. Completely agreed. All right. Want to get to some questions? Yep. All right, so we're going to start with Discord, Twitch. We will get to you. We have a lot. This is going to be a very question-heavy end to the show, and it's going to be fun. I'm excited okay. for this one. Okay. This is, I think, when we really shine. Okay. Uh, so Shake and Wing said, we're going to start with some good ones, actually. Was the Frederick Anderson trade for two draft picks who became Sam Steele and Max Comtois worth it? Ooh. Well, hmm. Yeah, they're still hammering in Jake's background. <laughs> We're going to have to figure that out. I am trying um, to, to get take care of it. So what I would say, was it worth it? How do we define if it was worth it? I think that at the time, the Ducks had a decision to make of who they were going to go with. They had to pick a starter. It didn't really make a ton of sense to have both of these guys who could start. And so to cash in on one of them and to get assets in return, it made sense at the time. And I don't think that you can really judge it retroactively by who they picked getting those picks made it worth it. I mean, that's a good return for a, for a Frederick Anderson. So I think it was worth it. It's a shame that Sam Steele is kind of trending towards more of a bottom six guy and Max Contois is who the hell knows anymore. But that's still a deal that I think you make again if you're choosing to go with uh, Gibson over Anderson. Yes, agreed. Oh, and we have a Salem the Black Cat appearance. <laughs> As she purrs into the mic. Yep. Uh, Shaken Wings also had, does McDavid actually finish with Edmonton if he leaves? And if he leaves, when does he does it? When does he do it? McDavid with Edmonton? Yeah. I, I, th I think so. I think that these playoffs change something for him. I think getting to experience that high of success in the playoffs, sure, it was short-lived, but to win a battle of Alberta, to get, in, to get into the conference final, I think that he will. I, I just get the sense that there's – there's like this legacy thing that all these guys care about, you know, being a one team guy or at least giving it a chance on your first deal. And I, I think that matters. And so I, I think that he does. I'll go with he does. Yeah, I think he does also. Mm -hmm. um, Darko Theory. So these go back a, a little bit because this is uh, we've been off for two weeks. Uh, said thoughts on 32 thoughts. Talk about how great Delorier is and how so many teams will want him and create a bidding ward. I legitimately don't understand what the hell, like, you know, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to Nick Delorier. Like, I'm trying not to push back so hard on this narrative that I end up saying something that's, like, mean or whatever. But Nick Delorier is, like, objectively a fourth-line player. I understand, and he's not, like, a good fourth-line player. He's a below-replacement-level NHLer statistically. Like, this is just the reality. I understand that he is a beloved teammate, that he has a ton of value in the locker room, that he can be okay defensively if you really manage his minutes. But the narrative has just gotten so out of whack with that reality, right? Like if you want to sign him to just kind of like a cheap deal as, as like a 13th, 14th forward, I don't know, that's fine. But if you're signing him to play minutes, to be a playoff contributor who, oh, by the way, the Minnesota Wild went out and got him they spent a draft capital to get him that's where to me there's just too much there, there's too much of a 
disparity between the narrative and the reality. And look, I get it. Like, you know, locker rooms, team chemistry, it's it's a very complicated thing that you cannot quantify. And having a guy like a glue guy like a Delorier does matter to a team. But it would be really nice if that guy could also actually contribute. And, and, and he just, he doesn't really. And, and here's the thing is, the, the narrative around him playing and, and being good is that he plays the penalty killing. Uh, he, he does all this different type of thing, and he's good. Like, these are just not, like, just because a guy plays on the penalty kill does not actually mean that he's a good player. Like, th- those two things don't have to coexist. Like, a guy can be on the penalty kill and be bad at it. Like, I feel like we, I feel yeah. like that's, like, not something we discuss enough in, like, common, like, hockey discussions. Oh, he plays on the, he kills penalties, Jake. That means he must be good at them. Yeah, like, it, it, we really lose a lot of... Like, he's on the first power play unit. Like, that's supposed to be a sign that he's a good offensive player. That I mean, like, it, I think what it shows is just how their coach views them. Correct. Correct. And so, if a coach puts you out there to kill a penalty, there is an implied trust that you can, in fact, kill the penalty. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. I, I don't really get where that narrative... I mean, let me rephrase that. I know where the narrative is coming from on Delorier and that there will be a bidding war. I just vehemently, a bidding war. I, yeah, I, I vehemently disagree with it. And if I am Pat Verbeek, I am staying away with that with a hundred foot pole and I'm not even getting involved in that. I mean, having because him in, having him in your, on your roster as a guy who's in the press box and maybe gets in for like 20 games. That's one thing. But to have him be playing a significant role like he was for the Ducks last season, that's where you're entering crazy land. And if you want to talk about getting a guy to come in and be that physical presence, that's what like Josh Manson is also could come back and do. Sure, yeah. Like Although he gets hurt every time he does it, which is the problem. That's true. Uh, yeah. SP84, congrats, by the way, Spence. Uh, yeah. If Andre Plot signs with the Anaheim Ducks in UFA, does Jake get to bring the bit back of beaten by Dre? Here's the thing. I don't get where this this push to get Andre Palat signed has come from. I know Eric Stevens put something out about that. I know there are some people out there. Well, because really... it seems like he's not coming back, right, to Tampa? Is that yes, the whole thing? But he's 31 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, I think people just haven't, like, they, they remember how he was when, it, when this whole lightning run really started, and he was part well, of that fun line. And, like, that's just frozen in time. That's just how people view him. But like you said, he's 31. He's going to get paid. It makes absolutely zero sense for the Ducks to go out and get like, him. Like, he does not fit in their age range. He does not fit in terms of a guy that you bring in that that is an older guy that can get paid on a lighter deal for kind of an in-room type of guy. Like, if anyone the Ducks should bring in, it would be, like, an Andrew Cogliano if he comes back. Like that's Yeah, because he's going to be cheap. Of, yeah. Like Andre Pilat is about to get paid. He had a fantastic off season and the, or not off season postseason. And a lot of times guys that have great postseasons get paid more than they are worth. And you don't want to be the one fitting that bill two, three years down the line. And so that's why I, I've seen this kind of floated around. And I just like, I don't get it. So that's just me. JJ stone drums asks, okay, you guys are on a road trip and stop at a gas station. What's your go-to drink and snack? His is body armor and some Cheez-Its. And we have a lot of people that chimed in in our Discord about this one. Okay. Oh, I was going to just let you go. Oh, uh, I mean, it depends. It depends on, on what I'm, my mood for that, uh, that particular road trip. So I would say sparkling water and gum. 
would be my my pickups from the gas station. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Did you just say gum as a snack? It's a snack. It, well, it keeps me from wanting to eat more, wanting wanting to eat like unhealthy gas station food. You're on a road trip, though, Felix. This is the time that you eat crummy because you're gonna be in a car for eight to ten hours. All right, let's say that I I am indulging, that I'm that I'm going all in. That's the purpose of a road trip. I'm probably getting you know maybe some Reese's peanut butter cups, the 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 giant cup, the the king size cup, uh, and hey, wait wait wait. Your snack is a candy? Yes, I'm going candy. What the hell? What do you want from me? Your the pizza are just... All right, why don't you go? Because you... clearly I'm, I'm being thrown out of court here. What, what was your drink again? It's sparkling water. Nothing wrong with that. It's fun. You, like... tickles, tickles the mouth. Cum <laughs> <laughs> is not a snack? <laughs> Like, I, I don't even know. Like, Olaf is berserker said, I swear if someone says gas station sushi. And I was almost expecting you to say that. But then I'm like, no, no. You're, no, no, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say what that. What the hell? Um, I would probably say for drink, I would go with a Arizona green, iced green tea. Never had one that, of those. You, that's something I would only ever get at a gas station. And you're on a road trip. So, sure, give me all the sugar. Um, and then for snack... It would probably have to be a che- a box of Cheez-Its. Lame. Cheez-Its are great. They're a perfect snack. They're really just whatever. Oh, I bought um the the spicy Cheez-Its. Hot and Ugh. spicy. Oh, Ugh. they're it's so good. Disgusting. They're so delicious. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my pick is I'm going to go with the Arizona ice cream tea. And, ooh, or Hot Cheetos. Hot Cheetos also is one that I could do. No. Hot Cheetos are actually disgusting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Zen is saying, gum is a save the other people in my in the car from bad breath or to wash away the taste of bad gas station food. Well, uh, I like I like gum when I'm driving on a road trip because it's just like, I just zone out. Zen is also saying, what flavor of Cheetos? I tip go for like the street the the original flavor but sometimes you know some you got to go for the the white cheddar white cheddar cheese it's feeling spicy go for the hot There's spicy. flavors i thought there was just the the bread box with the the orange colored ones that's just that, that's a rip that that's the last time i had cheese it's is like middle school okay so now 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 we're just fully in the shit show portion of the show well, hold on. Let's get through these questions. No, no, nope, nope, nope. Uh, oh how many flavors of Cheez-Its are there? Oh, my God. Here you go, Felix. Just for you. Every Ugh. Cheez-It flavor. Italian four cheese. There's Ugh. extra toasty. Ugh. Bacon and cheddar duos. Ugh. Grooves hot and spicy. <laughs> duos, cheddar jack, and sharp cheddar pretzel. You're going to make me throw up on the, You've on the got show for the first re- time. Reduced fat white cheddar, zesty cheddar ranch grooves, hot and spicy, just the big one, original whole grain. Why would I get whole grain cheeses? Like, what? Uh, original cheddar grooves, cheddar jack. Uh, the duos of cheddar jack and jalapeno are great. Grooves. This, sound, uh, this sounds like, like trash. This just sounds like filth. 
None of that yeah. sounds good. N- next question, please. <sighs> Fine. Twitch, I'll get to your questions. Please save them. Uh, let's see. Uh, JJ Stone Drums also said, what's your favorite ride at Disneyland? Me? Yeah. Uh, do we don't have any hockey questions? <laughs> there, there, there's some afterwards. JJ's just hitting us with it. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been to Disneyland in like over a decade, so I can't really. I like Space Mountain. Is it, is it too vanilla? Too vanilla? No, that's fine. I I was gonna say Space Mountain also, but uh, yeah. To be different, I will go with uh the Matterhorn. Okay. Let's that's go Ducks ninety six at over under two trades for the Ducks during the draft. During the draft, uh. Mm. That includes two through seven. I know. I, I'm aware. Uh, uh, I'm going to go over. Why not? Why the hell not? Live on the edge. Live on the edge of the Cheez-It. Yeah, I'm going over also. That guy Bobski said, question for Felix. What kind of beer are you? What? what? Where's this question coming from? <laughs> I don't understand. Wow. Oh. We'll just leave that for Discord of Felix ducking. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, just just hold myself accountable. I made a bet with Bob during the playoffs that the Avs would sweep uh, the the Lightning, and that blew up in my face within a day. Right, right. No, it was that. Yeah, it was that day. So this is me holding myself accountable. And yes, uh, I don't know what kind of beer do you like. What 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 do you want? I, I want you. To, I want you to pick because I'm. I don't know what your tastes are, so let me know. All right. Ducks Jaggernaut said, if hockey was the only sport, which pro athlete from another sport would dominate hockey? Ooh, wow. That is an interesting question. So hard to say because it's like, how how do other sports skills transfer to hockey? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry would dominate hockey. The precision and the hand-eye coordination. I'm going to go J.J. Watt because have you seen him on the ice? It's horrifying. To see someone that big just like go down the ice and know what he's doing. I was thinking like maybe an NBA player as a goalie, because they would just have insane like reach yeah, and like yeah. athleticism. Yeah, LeBron as a Vezina goalie. <laughs> yeah, Lewis X two hundred nine said Coke or Pepsi, and shocking nine one one said this is Duck Chat Pepsi Coke or RC Cola. Have not had any of those, so can't say. Uh, Coke. The obvious answer is Coke. Gross. Like, get get out of here with this Pepsi shit. Uh, Darko Theory said over under on three plus moves occurring from the Ducks in the months before the season. Uh, over. Yeah, well way over. over. I mean, that's factoring everything. So, yes, definitely over. And that guy, Bobski, asked, do the Ducks have any real shot at acquiring Kako? Well, what's this? Like, what's this? Fuck. I almost swore. <laughs> what, what, what is this, like, burning desire on this show? Yeah, I, I, I like to save that card for like when I absolutely want it. But like <laughs> when, when this, you're really mad, what is this desire to get cop? Like I understand that he's young and that he has draft ca- like cachet and that he was okay-ish this season. But like, really, truly, like what? What I don't get it. I, like he was fine. Maybe I'm I'm too down on him. Maybe at age 22 he'll he'll become something. But he's just kind of been whatever so far. I, I don't see it. I don't get it. This is okay. like my Andre. This is like my version of your Andre Palat. Sure. All right. So let's move on. Uh, we I got a text actually for a question from our good friend Johnny saying, uh, "Questions for the pod: If the Ducks refresh their goal song for next uh, season, 
uh, he actually texted me about a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert he went to. So which Chili Peppers should they pick? Mm, I, f- I feel like Red Hot Chili Peppers isn't really like a gold song kind of Californication band. would kind of work. Yeah, hmm, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if that would be my, my choice. Dan in California? Prob- that would actually make a lot more sense. Like just something, anything more like upbeat, upbeat slash non-depressing. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking more like Chelsea Dagger. I don't know. That seems like a good pick if you're going to change. <laughs> Your face. Well, <laughs> Cider. He also said Cider won the Calder, but in which of the last 10 seasons would Zegras' season have been enough? Oh, wow. Now you're making us do some work. Hey, you wanted actual hockey questions. Sure. Sure. I mean, this is this is like a research question. Yeah. Which it's not I, a hockey question. To be honest, I had this uh, for a bit and did not decide to look at it until right now. So thank you. Uh, so he wouldn't have beaten Kaprizov, I think. There may have been a question. I don't think he would have beaten Makar. Yeah, there's some pretty pretty impressive names that have won maybe the maybe ekblad maybe barzal in his rookie year i don't know barzal at 85 points in 82 games yeah that's fair like over a point per game uh what? like maybe ekblad in 15 maybe Pedersen in 19 mm, i don't know there was kind of like a Pedersen mania i guess there was a zegris mania but yeah uh, I mean, how did Z- how did Pedersen do that year? Um, he had 66 points, so yeah, I think that's probably as close as you're gonna get in the recent recent past. I mean, the the year Panarin won, like Landis he, Landeskog winning, that was one that he definitely would have beat one over Landeskog. Yeah, I I understand. There's a lot of people who think like, hey, Zegers was awesome this year, and he should have won, and you got to factor in like the influence he had on the game. And I think Zegers is a good player this year and he did a lot of good things for the ducks. But I, I think that they gave it like factoring in. If you're not going to pick Michael Bunting, I think that they made the right call. Yeah. I agree. Mo cider. Yeah. And over under ducks acquire four new roster players by trade (laughs) over. Uh, I'm just taking the over. I'm just taking the over on everything. Oh, it was a funny question on Twitch. Um, uh, over, sure. All right. By trade? Hmm. Uh, Possibly under. I'm going to go over. All right. Possibly hit under. Twitter, and then we'll get to all of the questions from Twitch. Sure. Yeah? Sure. All right. Twitter, this comes from Justin Beck said, Hey, Jake, question for the pod. Is there a chance we see a reunion with Cogliano this offseason? He has his cup now. As the type of player Verbeek has talked about wanting to get, and there's a familiarity familiarity with the organization. Obviously, age doesn't fit into our window, but wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think with, with Cogliano, he just got a Stanley Cup. I feel like I'm actually kind of wondering if he's done after this. Like, do you think yeah. he even keeps playing? Like, he's... He's got a ton of miles on his body. He's 35. Like he could really kind of go out right off into the sunset. Um, Or does he want to just kind of ride it out with Anaheim kind of being more of a locker room leader type for the the younger players? Like, I think it's kind of an open, like, I don't know. I don't know his mental state. I don't know at all what he's going to do, but I'm, I'm curious like how far he wants to take this because if the ducks and Cogliano decide that they want to get back together for one last blast like 
He wasn't that good last season, to be honest. Like, he's just kind of more of a fourth liner defensive specialist now. Like, he doesn't really drive play a whole lot. He doesn't do a ton for you, but he's still a decent four checker. I think he's just a good guy to have around. I don't know how much you want to lean on him, but he's a good guy to have around. Yep. All right. Let's blitz through the blitz through these questions. Spencer Wood says, what kind of pickle does Felix eat? <laughs> uh, I like the ones, like the really nice ones from Whole Foods. Like they, they have these like ones in these bigger jars. Um, it's not like the actual pickle, like uh, what do you call them? Chips, but like the pickle spears. I'm a pickle spears guy. Not the whole pickle. I like the spears. There you go. I know all of you were, were sitting on pins and needles for that answer. Uh, Kyle Parent asks, ideal offseason moves for the Ducks get back into the playoffs. Fiala? Debrinkat? Yes. Yeah. Fiala, Debrinkat, get uh, Sanheim. <laughs> okay, well, you don't get to make an all-star team. I, th- I think that realistically you go out and get, as long as you get one of the big-name trade targets – and you make just smart investments in free agency, like that's that's going to give you a shot. And you trade yeah. Gibson and, and get a good return. Oh boy, I've never had to pronounce this guy's name, but I've replied to him on Twitter. But Wojtek Machachny, I definitely butchered that. Sorry, but said, "Who are the Damn. top UFAs that the Ducks should pursue this off season?" I mean, I was making a case for one earlier, and I'm going to stick by it. I think Josh Manson makes sense for them because the Ducks blue line kind of sucks right now. And I don't really know exactly what path they're going to take to improve that, uh, internally. So I think Manson, Manson on the, on the back. And like, it's not a sexy answer or pick, but I do think he makes sense for them. Yep. Uh, NHL hit says, would you rather the Ducks sign a veteran free agent to two, three year deals like Perron Malkin to help bridge the gap for the next wave or swing for the fences on a big ticket free agent like Goodrow or Forsberg? Uh, trend a transitional guy. I, I don't, I don't think that, especially like a Forsberg and even Goodrow as much as I like them. I just, the Ducks are not, I mean, no team should really be signing these contracts, but certainly not a team like the Ducks. That's not really in that phase yet of like Stanley cup contention. Yep. Uh, Peter Witherow said Barry Trotz is taking a year off from coaching. I actually did not realize that. I just knew that he had said not really, Winnipeg, but it, that, that's no, what no, he's, he's, he's not coaching next year. Okay. I didn't realize that. Would you be interested in him as Under a coaching a option? Yeah. For next season, 23, 24. And how would you judge next season? success is a playoff appearance. The only way Aikens keeps his job. <sighs> You're, there's some there's some action in your background, <laughs> some meowing. Um, I I really it's it's an interesting question because I feel like my expectations for next season are kind of like what they had last or this past season a little bit. So how I would judge success, just that they're actually playing a competitive brand of hockey, that they are the team that's on the front foot, that's controlling play. That's winning the shot attempt, the expected goal battle. That's playing an offensive style that has a power play that's clicking. And if all those things line up, then they should be in playoff contention. So I don't really want to set the bar at like somewhere in the standings. I just think that they need to be playing like one of those teams. Yeah, that's fair. And and as and as far as like what what it will take to get Aikens to keep his job, <laughs> I didn't think that he would be back this season, and now he is. So I think that as long as they're competitive and that they're improving under him, that he has a chance at coming back. 
Um, I'm not really interested in Barry Trotz, though, which might sound blasphemous, but I just don't like how his teams play. It's boring. It's not how the Ducks are really set up to play in the future either. With yeah, and, and I just don't want to see him, like, just turn. I mean, look what he did to Matt Barzell. Like, he just nerfed him, and I don't want to yep. see that with the, uh, Trevor Zegras, so I'm passing on Barry Trotz. 1998 Ford F-150 says, who, if any of the trade deadline, should Verbeek try and bring back? Well, we've already Manson. been over Manson. We've already been over him a lot. Lindholm's off the table. <laughs> uh, I mean, Raquel may be on a cheap deal I'd be interested in. Yeah, I'm actually... I'll look up what his contract is projected to be. Maybe Raquel, but I don't know. I don't... I'm not as... I'm just not super high on him, like, as a player anymore. Okay. But All right. Maybe. So, for those of you that are now... Are still watching this, watching on YouTube, listening to your favorite podcast services, yes, you can find us, though, on YouTube, YouTube uh, youtube.com slash crashthepod. You can find us at twitch.tv slash crashpond, where you can find us every Monday at 8 p.m. Oh. Or what? Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, sorry to cut you off, but Raquel pro- projected contract seven years, 6.2 million. So n- no thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, every Monday during the season at 8 p.m. Pacific time, where we uh, we essentially are able to take your questions live. Uh, you can join us in the chat. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. And with that, you get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name. And so let's start getting into questions. And please, if you're still in, if you're in the Twitch chat, throw in your questions again, just so I don't have to scroll up. It makes my life a little bit easier. Lazy. But we're going to start with this. Roots20 <laughs> said, question for Felix. One year supply of spicy Cheez-Its are getting Singraid. Why do I have to pick between these two things? Both sound terrible. I'll just take the Cheez-Its and sell them. Give me the Cheez-Its. You didn't, you didn't say I have to eat them, so I'm, I'm taking them and selling them. Ugh. Uh, Fatcheralt <laughs> said, uh, question, what happens to Comtois this season? I'm concerned with the way Akins played him last season. Yeah, that's kind of been a lingering thing that's just kind of disappeared into the background. But new GM, new situation. We don't know kind of how Akins is going to coach next season, if it's going to be a huge difference. I would say it's a bit of a wait and see on that. I don't I don't think he's gone this offseason for sure. But it, things got a little nasty at the end of last year. And so maybe, I don't know. It's a, it's, I'm giving it a yes and a no. Also, Zenizay asked, question, what's your favorite flavor of cheese? Flavor of cheese? You mean type of cheese? I'm just asking the question that he's uh, asking. My favorite cheese? I mean, that's a good question. If I'm just having cheese to, like, enjoy it, like, not as, like, a topping, like, let's say Parmesan cheese, brie. Brie cheese is delicious. Brie cheese on bread. Yeah, olive brie, oil wine brie, brie cheese on crackers great crackers are great i mean also a good yeah. cheddar cheese is always great yeah a good a nice, sharp cheddar a, a nice aged char- sharp cheddar blue cheese um, fantastic hmm. yeah wow. yes and no wow <laughs> uh brandon pineda 244 said question is there a chance at offer sheeting one of the big names that are floating around even if it's an absurd one-year deal that gives us negotiating rights i'm not sure uh, who fits our system, but people like Dubois could be had because they don't have the cap space to match. Yeah, offer sheets are really hard because you you are taking a gamble that the other team is not going to match, like the question insinuated. 
I don't really know if there's a super logical offer sheet target out there. I also think, now this is a bit of a intangible thing, but I think that offer sheets clearly ruffle feathers. Look at how butthurt the Carolina Hurricanes were for a year afterwards with the Kotkaniemi situation. I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Verbeek is going to shy away from that in his first year just to not uh, not to poison any wells of potential you know, trade partners around the league, not to piss anyone off. So I'm going to go with no offer sheets that we see. Uh, yeah, probably not, honestly, with uh, Pat Verbeek. Um, Jen and Casey said, okay, but if you could invent, that's when we were on our Cheez-It uh, thing. <laughs> Uh, People are asking can, more questions about this than hockey. It's crazy. If you could invent a new flavor of cheese, it what would you make? Uh, I don't know. This is a question for you. Ooh. Um. Hmm. Hmm. What flavor of cheese it would I make? You know, I wouldn't make any because they're all perfect. A new one because all the ones that there are are perfect. Weak answer. Roots 20 said question for Felix how satisfied were you seeing Arturi Lekkinen score the game winning goal and then lifting the cup I was happy for him he's such an underrated player and <coughs> those are the guys you want to see get rewarded and he did so I'm thrilled for him yeah uh, Genki Horiguchi is barber I hope I'm not saying anything bad with this I don't really know you, do you think Derek Grant calls hot dogs glizzies okay what, it, what how is that a thing uh, now I don't know. That was why I'm like, I don't know what this is. I think that's like a, that, that is not a, uh, that's not something you should probably be saying on the pod. Oh, okay. Think. Well, I apologize, folks. I did not know what I was reading. <laughs> Let, let's plead ignorance. Jake, Jake showing his age here. <laughs> yes. Batterald saying, question, what is your ideal Gibson trade? Ooh, I think my ideal Gibson trade is to New Jersey. For, for number the, two overall. For the second overall pick. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed completely. Don't know if that's going to happen, slash definitely not happening, but that would be my ideal trade. Yep. All right. I think that is probably going to do it for us tonight. Wow. Just like that, huh? Yeah. Dang. What a what a, what a ride it's been. We're an hour 20 in, and I feel like we, we just started. Like, yeah. Like we're just- eight, yeah. Are we old now? Are we not in on what it is anymore? I don't know what a glizzy is, and I feel like the more times I see it, the more chances I have of, of getting in trouble after. I've Googled it. I did a Google. Oh? Uh, it's a summer food trend. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so we're, cor- not, we're not in trouble? Uh, it, Why the hell would you call a hot dog a glizzy? Like, just uh, call it a hot dog. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's By the just- way, Jake, can you believe this? Oh, actually, I have two things I want to add. One, you can get a hot dog at Five Guys. Yeah, I knew that. But it's ten dollars. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's actually insane. Like, I love hot dogs. I think hot dogs are underrated. You know where I need to but, go? But I've but that is bad shit. I've never been to a Portillo or been to Portillos. I haven't either. It's supposed actually, to be amazing. I'm not even sure if I could tell you what that is. Portillos? Yeah. Wow. It's a. It's like a famous Chicago uh what's it like oh yeah yeah, restaurant and there's one in Buena park okay okay i think i've heard of this yeah um and and so they they sell like hot dogs like the chicago style and things like that yeah um i have a couple things 
I want to. Uh, let's add, see. Add in here. Fatral, uh said it's pretty sure what people on the East Coast called hot dogs. Uh, Rooch twenty said follow up with the second overall pick. Would you pick pick Slavkovsky or Cooley? Ooh, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. This is this is the kind of question I've been dying to answer. Cooley, Cooley. <laughs> I think this Slavkovsky thing has just completely. Like, this is actually, this might be the most insane thing I've seen to develop in the draft. Because I like I think he's a good player. I like the skill set he has. I like the size, all of that. But he does not have the, like, dynamic game-breaking element of a top two, three player. Logan Cooley does not have the physical attributes whatsoever of a Slavkovsky. But he has that, that lightning, game-breaking skill that you want out of that high of a pick so yes give me cooley over slavkovsky yep i would agree with that uh okay my the things i wanted to bring up so oh wait really quickly sorry one other thing about portillo's <laughs> oh my god we're still they, on this they have a shake called a cake shake where they legitimately put a whole piece of chocolate oh cake i've heard in about their this shake i've heard about this that's insane that's too much is it that's 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 too much. That's would extra, you, as the kids tr- would say. Would you try it? Sure. Sure. I'll try. Oh, by the way, I have an announcement to make. I have an announcement to make. So, last week, I went to a very delicious French restaurant in Newport called Bouillon. Bouillon, for the English-speaking folk. Um, and for the first time, tried apple pie for, for dessert. Had never tried apple. It was like you know an apple tart is what they would call it, but first time ever trying in my lifetime. It was good. It was fine. No complaints. Was that good the crust. first? Wait, wait. Wasn't the 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 thing that you said way back when was that you have never tried pie? No, I've never tried like fruit pie, like a fruit based pie, or like just basically I've only had like chocolate pie. <laughs> Chocolate pie is not even real pie. Well, whatever. It has the crust. It's in the mold, right? Like, yeah. Huck- you can't Huckle- say it's not a pie. I had a huckleberry pie the other week. It was fantastic. But I want to give a shout out though to that pie because it was good. And that restaurant had steak tartare. It was, it was the most amazing thing I've ever eaten. I think. Are, wait, wait, wait. So you're broader- broadening your horizons. Yeah. You're not gonna judge stuff before unless you try it. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but are you are you finally going to try cinnamon toast crunch? That I can't promise. Wait, that let I me ask promise. you. Wait, actually, let me ask you this: Have you ever had a churro? I think so. Yes, what? I've, I've had. A, wait, I may have. A, wait, 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 I, wait, I wait. A, I may have had a bite of one at wait, one point. Wait. Oh, actually, yes, I have. I have. I I think so. A, a churro <laughs> is not something that you respond to with. I think well, I, so. I've probably had it like single digit times in in my whole life. What is wrong? I've probably had triple digits <laughs> amount of churros easily in my life. Easily. You know, I just don't care about them. Sorry, <laughs> they did. They don't do anything for me. Um, have you ever had a good one or have you only had crappy ones? Now I'm just well, interrogating you. Now you're on the stand. <laughs> well, so last during the holidays, I went to a Spanish restaurant and they had these like dessert churros with like Nutella in them. 
it wasn't it wasn't exactly like a Disneyland churro, but it was it was amazing. It was very very good. But it wasn't exactly like the kind of crap you get at an amusement park though. Uh, Disneyland churros are top tier. JJ Stone Drum says that if the Ducks win the cup this year, Felix has to try cinnamon toast crunch. Sure, sure. That, I I'll do that. No. How milk, about this? Though. Just win the Ducks, win the cup. You have to when? have win the Ducks, win the cup. Okay. Not this year. Just in the future. Whenever. You have to celebrate. Not this by having year. A, just so when if they I, win the <laughs> just when, whenever it ends up happening, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whether it's three years, five years, ten years. Okay. Fair whenever, enough. You have a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch with milk. Ugh, I haven't had milk in years, so that's gonna hurt. But sure, uh, why not? Why? Why the hell not? Lewis just appeared to just ask if are we sure churros are good. Thank you, Lewis. Lewis, we're we're trying to close. Where have you here. been? Where have you been? I think okay. I think, they, I think they were recording their own podcast. Go check out Late Arrivals, by the oh, way. Oh yeah, check that out. It was actually. I feel like that podcast is kind of like this last part of our show, but just. For a longer extended period. <laughs> um, okay, I do want to say this, though. I've been trying to say this, but you keep rudely interrupting <laughs> me. Tonight, I did two things that are completely different for me. Usually when we do these pods in the past, my tradition has been post-pod, in and out, post-pod. Um, tonight, did a pre-pod. Because you know what I was like? Ah, I don't want to eat so late. I want to just like be able to relax after this. So that was the one thing. Changed my routine. Which actually meant that I had to basically start recording like at 8 p.m. on the, on yeah, the dot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Want, want to let people know when you finally got into the, the, I got, the, I, the session? I, I got into our recording, our virtual recording studio like literally at 8 p.m. So yeah, th- thanks I was lot. on time. Um, to be fair, I was hanging up pictures right before. And the second part of this is try a protein style double-double for the first time. Why would you do that? It was actually pretty good. I was like... Like it's obviously not the same thing, like not even close. But I did. There's so one thing I'll say that I didn't like about it is that they're a little they're messy. Like yes, the the, the bun really like when you're eating a normal burger holds everything in nicely. But if you get past that, you really I think you taste the meat and the cheese and the sauce more because like you just get all that savory goodness and you don't have the bread to kind of interfere with it. I really enjoyed it. I might, it might become a regular part of my rotation. You know, one regular burger and one protein burger. I think that that, that could be. Is that the balance? Honestly, like I feel slightly better about doing that now because I did that. Because of that minus 300 wait, calories. Wait, or wait, what, what was the order? It was double, double, uh, extra toast, extra grilled onions, double, double grilled onions, protein style fries and large pink lemonade it was amazing sometimes like sometimes i have in and out and i'm like i feel like a piece of shit this was such a mistake i feel like crap now i'm unhealthy other times like tonight i'm like wow that was amazing i feel great now i'm ready to tackle life and that's i'm glad i did that i'm the protein style changed things for me Somehow this pod just got extended by 10 minutes. I like just can't get over that. Just like having the extra double, double protein style. Like yeah. you still had the regular one. Well, it's because I got that additional protein, but I didn't have to take on a bunch more carbs, which I usually do. I mean, did you have spread in it? Yeah. 
Yeah, so like by no means is was this a healthy <laughs> meal. By no means. But it. it was it, but it was less unhealthy. Oh, that broke that me. That broke me. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, a ray of sun did burst through the ceiling when I when I bit into it. It was like the, it was just a different experience. It was so different. I can't describe it. It was just like so much more savory than it usually is because of the contrast. <laughs> All right. Just get, just get a bun. You're going to in and out Just get a bun. No, no. Well, I did. I got one. True. And I, and I, True. I, I, You're going to in and out Don't get two burgers, two double doubles. Yeah. I want an extra protein. Although I will give you credit. I have at times, instead of getting fries, gotten a second hamburger, second cheeseburger. That's the good play. Yes. <laughs> instead of fries. Yeah. No. Well, okay. That's a bit of a mistake. But yeah, I think the two burgers is like a must. One is not God. enough. We talk about it now, I think, on every episode. That and Del Taco. <laughs> well, that that's a mistake. I'm not even going to say the name. I'm not even going to utter the words. Fatrell's asking, do you have order pickles on your burger? I do because I do animal style a lot of times, but I've been starting to stray away from that yeah. and go to go to chop chilies instead. So yeah, I don't get the pickles. I don't well, I just don't ask for them. I also tried the mustard fried, which is what people have recommended, and I don't taste the difference. It's better. I there's literally no difference. No, there is. Well, it depends it depends on how much they do. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was just the, the like, it does vary. The in and out quality does vary, like, depending on when you go, mm-hmm. where you go, yes. But I don't know. I just, it wasn't noticeable at all, which tells me that it's probably not that big of a deal. So, all right. Time but to pro- get out of here. Protein stuff. Give it a try if you haven't already. I discovered it. <laughs> <laughs> I just broke Jake. <laughs> He's actually speechless. Okay. We should actually get the hell out of here um, so I can go play Civilization VI. Uh, <laughs> if you've enjoyed our show and you want to help us keep this thing going, especially as the off season starts to pick up, which I feel like is kind of like our second season because some people are more interested by this than the actual games, if we're being honest. Yeah. If yeah. And you might be one of them, if we're being honest. Um if you want to help us keep this thing going, there's a few easy ways for you to do so. The number one way is to go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond. A couple perks that you can get there for $1 a month, $1, you get access to our patrons only discord server, which is so much fun. Uh, the, the, the server, the, the, the channels, we talk about food. We talk about hockey, of course, you're going to really get to interact with some diehard Ducks fans, people that are just there to have a good time and that just want to talk hockey and, and joke around. And it's just super wholesome. It's my favorite place to talk hockey. I'm pretty much on there all the time now, to be honest. Highly recommend it. That's for $1 a month. For $5 a month, you still get access to that, but you also get access to two bonus episodes a month. And on the the last couple ones, you know, we've been doing our, our playoff predictions, so we go more league-wide on those. Going into the summer, though, we'll have more time to do very kind of niche, deep-dive Ducks topics, so excited for that. That's for $5 a month, and you can also bump it up to $15 a month just as a real big show of appreciation there. Um, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. We're on Spotify. We're wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube youtube.com slash crash the pond 
Uh, you can see the video version of the show. You can see Jake's new awesome backdrop with all yeah. the bobbleheads and There's artwork. A Mandalorian with a surfboard on his back, a Paul Korea picture, a comeback on Catella poster. Yeah, you've really got the like optimal like podcaster background now. I know. It's great. Bobbleheads, books. Yeah, yeah. So you really just carrying the, the, the load there once again with the uh, visual Shocker. element of the show. Shocker. Whatever. Um, so yeah, that's that's at youtube.com slash crash the pond. Make sure to check out our website, crashthepond.com. We actually have a shop where you can get an awesome t-shirt with our logo. Um, go check that out. There's also coffee mugs, stickers, all sorts of goodies in there. Um, th- that goes a long way. We're also going to be posting articles and, and breakdowns on the site throughout the summer. So make sure to keep track of that. Yep. Uh, to easily find our articles, just you can also follow Crash the Pond on Twitter, at Crash the Pond. Also on Facebook, if you're still on Facebook. Um, I guess I am, although I don't really use it. Do you still use Facebook? I only have it to, for the pod for the website. <laughs> there you go. Dedication. Um, and we are on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter, at ReindeerGames91, and I am on Twitter, at Felix underscore Sicard. So if you want Ducks updates throughout the summer, follow us. One thing I want to plug is keep an eye out for next week's episode. It's going to be a fun one. We have something special planned. Yeah, we're cooking. We're cooking. We're in the kitchen. Yeah. Cooking. <laughs> uh, I thought mustard fried was only in the Flying Dutchman is what Fatral is asking. No, oh, no, you can order mustard fried. Uh, animal style is mustard fried. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you at the next show. Oh, and have a good 4th of July. Enjoy your Bye. Weekend. Bye.